welcome to this week's early edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals podcast. My name's Oscar. My name's David. And this week we are indeed hitting you a little early because it is Monday. The draft is Thursday, so we are kicking off draft week with a podcast. You think Chewbacca and R2-D2 are special? Just wait till you hear Dumbledore introduce us on our next week's show. Uh, and this week really is all about the the final thoughts that we've got after weeks and weeks of covering the draft and coming up with models and thinking of things to do. This is where we try and coalesce all of our thoughts, put them down, answer some questions, and say, what the hell do we want the Niners to do when they open up round one? It's the last time that we have to actually like think about what might happen, right? Next time when we get to talk about it, something will have actually happened. That's right. Uh, and it's very much the point in the calendar where we're very ready for things to actually happen. Yes. At this point, I definitely want actual things to actually happen in reality. <laughs> Uh, outside of, you know, maybe Dumbledore, R2-D2, and mythical characters introducing people. We do And parrots. At least it's not a parrot. Did you see this? No. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are having a parrot announce one of their draft picks. I mean, that I'm sure will go great. Yeah, I'm, and, and that still is not worse than them drafting a kicker in the second round. Nope. Uh, so let's get to a couple of housekeeping things out of the way at the very top of the show. First, some scheduling notes. David is getting married this weekend. Hooray! What? Finally. Exactly. But that means that we are going to have a quick reaction after round one, and then not a whole heck of a lot because we'll be doing wedding stuff. So I will be on vacation after the wedding, and then we're going to come back and try and wrap up some draft stuff, and then David's going to go on vacation. So over the course of a month and some change, we're probably going to we're going to try and sneak in two podcasts in there, but we're going to probably be a little a little darker than normal for the month of uh, of May. Yeah, May is going to be a little bit light, um, you know, and then by the time that we really get back from that, you know, I'll be back from from the honeymoon kind of early June time frame there and it'll be ready to get back to it, man. We'll have, um, you know, training camp like on the way preseason stuff we will be starting to get. I think we'll have scheme month probably right when we get back to kind of lead us up to all that. But it won't be long until we're talking about actual football stuff. Our other big announcement is that we've got merch. We've got a whole merch store with T-shirts and phone cases and all manner of stuff with our logo on it. We partnered up with a company called Tee Public to get merch in your hands. The, it's a request that we've gotten often, actually, over the years. T-shirts, phone cases, stuff like that. Only we're, took us, like, uh, six years to get it. Yeah, so. six years, you know. But, hey, man, you get what you, you, get what you wait for, uh, <laughs> and you get what you pay for. So, to kick off the kind of launch of, of our store, we're actually going to have a $100 goodie bag giveaway. You're going to be able to enter. I'm going to post the link out on the Niners Nation page, and we're also going to tweet it out and put it on Facebook. It's going to be on all of the socials, all of the things. But you can enter in the contest and gain additional entries by following us on Twitter, subscribing to the podcast, and answering uh, probably one of my favorite questions, which is what's David David's most hated former or current 49er? Uh, and we're going to see what happens. We're going to see what the results give us. What do we settle on with that? Is it a multiple choice? Is it fill no, in the blank? It's an here? open we're text just, box. Okay. All right. Let's, just uh, that'll be interesting. Let us know <laughs> what it is that you think is David's most hated uh, current or former 49er. Get all the entries, and then I think on Saturday of the draft, uh, actually the day that you're getting married, we're going to have yeah. a machine randomly select someone, and then we're going to get we're going to send them a hundred dollars worth of stuff. And it's going to be good. We've got some really good T-shirt designs in the works. We've got, of course, our logo up there right now. But then we're going to have, uh, I think, the sign-off one. And then we're going to have some plays on there as well. We're going to try and do a, a shirt for Yankee and some other stuff that comes up. So we'll be adding more to the store as as it goes. But I'm happy that we're actually able to to have T-shirts and stuff like that because they look pretty dope. Yeah, it's awesome. I think yeah, it was it was nice just to get the first couple up there, you know, something a little bit simpler, just logo stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get some, some more things added 
as we go along once we kind of let the schedule die down a little bit and get a little bit more time here. But uh, it's exciting to actually have stuff finally. It's something we've been, it's been on the to-do list for a very, very long time and finally got it off. So we will post that T public link and we're going to post the link to the contest. So definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. But now let's get into the meat of the show. Let's talk about the plan. We've been covering the draft in one way, shape or form for the better part of six weeks now. Um, and we're at the point now where we're ready to just kind of present all the conclusions and we're going to do so by answering all of the questions that we've asked over the course of the, uh, the last couple of weeks and also some other random questions that we've heard on Twitter. The very first thing we're going to remind you of is our lens for evaluating draft picks. We, we care about athleticism, production, traits, and generally we're going to value positions of value higher than, than positions that don't have a whole, hell of a, lot, a whole hell of a lot of value. And that specifically are the positions that affect the passing game. So we're talking, of course, quarterback, edge, tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, safety. Those are really the positions that affect the game of football as it's played today. So David... Give me your ranked order of draft wants if we stay at nine. If we stay at nine, I think you're really looking defender, right? There's with with quarterbacks being um, kind of the top offensive players in this draft class and the 49ers finally not needing one. Uh, really, there isn't anybody on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I know a lot of people would say Barkley. Almost certainly he's going to be gone even before the 49ers have an opportunity to take him. There's really no other offensive players that make a lot of sense, right? So I think uh, you're, you're looking at the top defensive players on their board. For us, uh, it, it really starts with Harold Landry. Harold Landry is the number one guy there. Um, and then for me, I think it goes Derwin James after that. I'm looking at Denzel Ward at three. And then I think there's kind of like the, the next few players are really about even for me. It's more of like a 4A, 4B, 4C type of thing. I think, uh, you know, Minka is in that conversation. I think Rokon Smith is in that conversation. Um, I don't I would even be I mean, there's a couple other defensive players, too, that we're not as high on that I think makes sense there. Um, but really, that's what you're looking at. Landry, James Ward, I think, are the, are the clear one, two, three for me. Yeah, and for me, they're they're the clear three. I I kind of lean Smith as my clear four, only because I think I buy into the argument that as th- that the type of linebacker that Roquan Smith is is the type of linebacker that you need in today's kind of modern passing NFL. I, I buy into that argument. I think a bit more than you do, and so I'm more comfortable putting him in in that position. And I wouldn't be upset if if we drafted him uh, at at nine if we stayed there. Yeah. So and I agree. I wouldn't be upset with it. I think um, Minka is kind of a similar thing, right? So I think yeah. it's, yeah, not nothing against Roquan. I just think there's a little bit more value that you can squeeze out of a player like Minka Fitzpatrick than you can, even with somebody as good, a linebacker as in good uh, coverage ability with, as Roquan Smith has. So there are two names that are bantied about for the Niners at nine that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about over the last few weeks, and that's Tremaine Edmonds uh, and Marcus Davenport. And the Edmonds pick is seemingly the popular mock draft pick for the 49ers across all of the major publications. If you look at Peter King, and Peter King had a really good interview on the PFF podcast where he talked about how he, there are different types of mock drafts. And you know Steve Palazzolo from PFF does a mock draft where he's like, this is what I think they should do. Our, our, we don't really have a mock draft, but our, like, we sh- who should you pick is who we think the Niners should pick. It's not who we heard the Niners are going to pick. It's just who we think they should pick. But what Peter King does is he decides to try and get as much information as he can and actually predict what the teams are going to do. 
And in just about every scenario, he's mocked Edmonds to the 49ers, which leads me to believe that he's got a little bit of inside information. And in his latest mock draft, he specifically says that the Niners are considering Ward and McGlinchey at tackle as well. But he won Edmonds because of the whole situation with Reuben Foster. So is why didn't we spend a whole lot of time on Edmonds or Davenport? And would you totally rage quit the draft if we ended up drafting one of those two guys? I wouldn't be like excited. Uh, I think about either of those guys. I think the thing with with each of them and taking them at nine again, and, and this conversation is assuming that we're staying at nine and we're not really going to get uh, yet into trade, something we're going to touch on in a minute. But for for this staying at nine and taking one of those players uh, is just not something I'd be comfortable doing really in the top half of the first round, I think. It, again, in there, when you go back to those things that we're focusing on, those four things, right? you want to really be able to check all those boxes for the players that you're taking uh, in the top half of the first round. I think especially when when you're in the top 10, right? So you're looking for guys, all the other names that we mentioned, right? Pair up the athleticism that you're looking for that gives you, again, the, the athleticism kind of sets the ceiling, right? So if you're a top-end athlete, that makes you feel maybe a little bit more comfortable that that player can turn into an elite player at his position. They have high levels of production uh, you know, over their college career. And and they're able to pair that thing. And then you get, a, a, a again, a position of need, a position of value. And I think that's what you're looking for. Edmonds doesn't check the production, doesn't check the position of value. Um, and I think Davenport is is similar. I mean, he gets a position of value there, but he, he just doesn't have that track record of production. Both players are so much of a, a project um, and, and everything that you really go to with their, their case for why you would draft them starts with the potential, right? And I think that's just kind of a dangerous game uh, to play and you get a lot of draft mistakes going that direction in the top end of the first round. I think if Roquan Smith is the linebacker who's perfectly made for today's NFL, Tremaine Edmonds leans more toward the type of linebacker that you would have wanted to draft in 2006, where he you hope like the question that I often get with Edmonds is like, well, he's really young. He can really learn to do some of these other things. Well, you don't want to draft someone in the first round ninth overall if they still have the position that they're going to play to learn. The other thing is, oh, well, he has the body type of someone who can play edge. Well, then why don't we just draft someone who actually already plays edge effectively? Let's not let's not pay for that potential because we're not sure if he can if he's actually going to turn into that type of NFL player Edmonds. What we know is that he's a really good run stopper and he's a really good linebacker that would probably play Mike. But I'm not sure that he would be super valuable on passing downs, not nearly as much as Roquan Smith. So if Smith is on the board and we end up taking Edmonds, I, that that would probably make me rage quit the draft. Yeah, and I, I think with those two as well, like the other thing that comes into play, because the way that uh, it looks like the top of the draft may go, right? It, it just It's hard to envision a scenario. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen, right? A lot of uncertainty, especially with the order of the quarterbacks and trades that may happen and all those sorts of things. But we know relatively that there's going to be quite a few quarterbacks that go right at the top of the draft. Um, you know, three seems incredibly likely four very possible. Um, and then you have a couple of other players that seem to be kind of what, what most people in the league seem to be like the gems of this class, right? The, the Quentin Nelson, the Saquon Barkley's that are going to go up there as well. And so it, it's just hard to, uh, picture a scenario where all of the defenders that check more of the boxes are gone and it's only Edmonds and Davenport there, right? Because that becomes a little bit of a different conversation if, if you're choosing one of those two and all the other guys that we've been talking about this whole time at nine are no, are no longer there. 
it, it just doesn't seem like something that would actually happen come draft night. So one of the other things that ha- that happened in Steve Palazzolo's mock draft is that Chubb was actually available at nine. We we didn't talk about Chubb because we just kind of presumed that he'd be gone in the first eight picks ahead of the Niners pick. But let's say because this draft is kind of weird at the top. This draft it isn't one of those drafts where you have a couple of very predictable items. Even the even though you know teams are going to take quarterbacks at the top, you're not exactly sure which ones they're going to take. Cleveland is rumored to love Josh Allen, but maybe they go with more like proven production and and they go somewhere else and they go with someone like a Darnold. So you don't even know what's going to happen with the quarterbacks. So let's say Chubb is there at, at nine and let's say Harold Landry's gone. He's the first one off. Chubb happens to be the second edge there. Do you still go with edge or do you go to one of the other defenders first? I think it depends who's there. If, if everybody else on our list is still available and it's yep. between Chubb and them, I'm going elsewhere. I think Chubb would slot in for me um, probably below Ward. Um, so I think if if Derwin James, Denzel Ward are still there, I'm going with one of them over taking Chubb just because I don't think Chubb has the high end. Like Chubb's a very good player, right? The, the difference it, it, when you're looking at the whole picture um, between him and somebody like Landry isn't significant in a lot of people's eyes, right? And again, most my, I would say most places have Chubb as their top guy. But the high-end ability as a pass rusher isn't there. And, and I think that you also get a player that's way too similar th- to what they just got in Solomon Thomas, right? Uh, Bradley Chubb, in a lot of ways, is a similar body type, I think, athletic profile to... Uh, not even as good as a, of an athlete, honestly, as Solomon Thomas. Um, but he's a player that just happened to actually spend his college career playing on the edge, whereas Solomon Thomas played more on the interior, right? I think if you had uh, Solomon Thomas playing on the outside his entire college career, it would have been a very... I think people would view him similarly to the way that people are viewing Bradley Chubb because it's their excellent, excellent run defenders and their skilled pass rushers, but... They just don't do like the really high end things that, that make you think that it's going to be, you know, a top end edge rusher uh, in, in terms of their ability to get after the passer. And now a year later, after we were beating the drum all year last year, after the Niners drafted Solomon Thomas to play him at Leo on base downs or weak side defensive end on base downs and kick him inside when you're going to rush the passer. The Niners decided they were going to try to stick him at six technique out on the outside. And now John Lynch says that he's going to play Leo on base and then do whatever the hell he's going to do. I mean, I don't know what that actually means. I hope that whatever it is that he plays, they stick Solomon Thomas out of position and let him learn the hell out of that position and not keep moving him around everywhere. But hopefully, hopefully that is how they leverage him this year as opposed to sticking him, you know, at six technique. Yeah, definitely. I think with with when you're looking at the roster as it currently is, if you don't add anybody else into the edge mix there, I think that's the best way to deploy the defensive lineman that they have, right? Obviously, Buckner at three tech, Armstead at the big end, um, and then Solly over at Leo when you're in base downs. And then ultimately, again, like we've talked about a bunch, what you're doing on base isn't really all that big of a deal. Ultimately, it's going to come down to how you deploy those guys when they get into sub. And you're going to you spend a lot of time getting them on the interior, letting them go up against guards. And that's why a player like Harold Landry is at the top of our list, because he complements the players that are already there a lot better and can make them better, take pressure away from guys like Buckner, like Solomon Thomas on the interior and just kind of make that pass rush much better as a whole. All right. So what actions by the 49ers would indeed make you rage quit this year's draft go? Uh, Trading up. 
Yes, that's exactly what I thought too. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think that's the first thing uh, that really jumps to mind because I think they're honestly in a pretty good spot relatively. And trading um, trading up from nine specifically, like if if they end yes, up if yes. they end up trading down and then end up trading kind of back up or something like that, that that's less of an issue. But trading up from nine into this muddle where people want quarterbacks because they're going to pay a quarterback premium, even though they're probably not going to get a quarterback. Like trading to four and taking Saquon Barkley would probably make we wouldn't do a recap podcast. Um, it might just be like a gif of breaking things on loop. Um, yeah, we would just come back in June and then maybe <laughs> and then maybe we would be ready to discuss the events of Thursday night at, at that point. But um, yeah, the I, Thursday night massacre. <laughs> it's just oh man, uh, yeah. That I don't even want. To, I hadn't actually even entertained that idea until just now, and it kind of makes me want to throw up. Um, I hashtag about to throw up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there are too many. Oh God, that, that should be a t-shirt. Uh, hashtag maybe. about to throw up. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I think overall, though, they're in a pretty good spot, right? So I think trading up seems pretty unlikely. Um, the the people that are going to be trading up. Uh, are going to be teams going after quarterbacks. And uh, there's just nobody among the rest of the players that has separated themselves so much that they're worth going up and, and getting. Um, and so I think you're, in, again, what like we just talked about, at nine, almost surely one of your top defensive players are going to be available. And then, look, if you can trade back and, and get, you know, there's a couple of teams, obviously, that are rumored pretty heavily uh, that have multiple first round picks. And if you can take advantage of that, if those teams are antsy to get up there and take a quarterback or or do something else, um, then you can absolutely get that. Because this is a draft where I think, uh, you know, it, it isn't quite as special at the top. You know, there's some players we like for sure at nine. But if you can trade back, get multiple first round picks, get more picks in that top like 75 area, I think that's really going to benefit your team. All right, so let's talk about trades because this is the wild card in all of this. And as we get closer to the draft, there have been more and more mocks with the 49ers trading out with a couple of different teams. The, the top three teams that we see the Niners trading with are Buffalo because Buffalo, of course, has 12 and 21. So the trade would be 12 and 21 for nine. New England, 23 and 31 for nine. And then the Chargers with 17 and 48 for nine. It, are there any, do all of those trade packages kind of feel the same roughly to you in terms of value or is there any one that you would take and be like you know what I still want that one because it allows me to take the player that I want or one of the pool of the players I want and then you know I still get a pick later that's that's of high value I mean I think the Bills one stands out most I mean obviously which makes sense I mean they're the two highest picks right in, in that group um, for sure when it comes to overall value so yeah and, and it makes sense from the the standpoint of the Bills again needing a quarterback if there's somebody that's there that you know say only three go to that point and there's somebody that they still like on the board and they want to get up there because they couldn't move up to six or they couldn't move up to four or whatever it is um that's the one that would benefit the 49ers the most um but again the one thing i think to to keep in mind with this as well is uh we don't always know that these options are on the table right so we're we're certainly discussing these because you'd like to trade back when possible i think this is a good draft to do it and if they have that opportunity, it's something they need to seriously consider. But there's a good chance that, like, you know, nothing happens. They don't have the option. You shouldn't, like, look at them and, and shit on them for not trading back because you don't know that that was a possibility. Yeah, and, and this draft specifically, too, in order to in order to have a trade partner to trade back with, you also need someone that wants to trade up. And I think Buffalo trades up if, for whatever reason, the quarterback that they love ends up falling. Yeah. Let's say that they love Rosen 
and Rosen's the guy that's available at nine. Well, now all of a sudden that becomes palatable. Let's say Allen's the guy that falls to nine and Buffalo's like, nah, we'll roll with Tyrod. We don't really want to trade up for Allen. All of a sudden, you know, they still want a quarterback. They're in the market, but it's because it's not the guy they want. So they don't go up and make that move. Um, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen. But if there were trade partners, these are the people with capital to move up. I still think that I take that Chargers deal, 17 and 48 for nine, without blinking. Because even with just moving down five spots and you get that extra high second, I, I like that. I like that altogether, especially because of the big gap from the first round pick to the end of the second where the Niners pick because of the New Orleans Saints draft trade that we that we got. I think that that's even a good trade, all things considered. Um, so there's the, I think there's a lot of opportunity for movement. Now, friend of the pod, George Chiruri, I, I promised him I'd try to pronounce his name on the podcast. No idea if I got it right. He got mine pretty close. Yeah, I mean, his, to be fair, like his name is impossible. Um, George Chiruri? I don't know that that's... I don't, I'm sure um, there's I've like... I've heard a, Steve try to pronounce it a few times. I'm sure on, there's like, a hard the, H the in there. The PFF podcast there. Uh, and it's like different every time. I don't know that I've actually heard the correct pronunciation. So, Chahuri? Uh, I don't know, man. I, mean, I don't know. I don't make the rules. Again, the, the thing that we're amazing at on this podcast, <laughs> names. Yeah. We are real, real good. I mean, there's a reason that I've just referred to him as George every time that I've mentioned correct. him on the podcast. Uh, but he ended up doing a, a part of the set. He was the Niners GM for the PFF seven-round mock draft. And he ended up taking that trade from the Chargers, 17 and 48 for nine. And he ended up with... Dante Jackson, cornerback at LSU at 17, more of a slot guy. And then Carlton Davis, someone we covered on our defensive back or kind of a day two and later option podcast at a cornerback out of Auburn. Is that a haul that you are on board with given that trade and given the way that the, the Niners roster is right now? Definitely. I think the the main thing, and this was a point that George, you know, definitely covered. Uh, if you go and kind of read the explanations for why he picked up those players uh, in the mock draft. Pass coverage was the weakest aspect of the 49ers team as a whole last year. Um, it, it's an area that that desperately needs some attention and, and they need players at kind of every spot, right? We mentioned that, yeah, you could use, I mean, Sherman obviously helps assuming he's healthy and ready to go on the outside. That helps sure up that spot across from Akella Witherspoon, but they still need guys in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, I think there are some decent options there. We may end up with Jimmy Ward, uh, is, is a possibility there. Um, you know, Quan Williams played better late in the season. Tart is, is been solid in coverage when given the opportunity. But again, none of those players are really sure things. None of those players are really guaranteed to be on the roster beyond next season. So, uh, you know, adding players that can come in and you get them on those nice cheap rookie contracts and, and can you have a, a player like Jackson that can immediately come in and slot in as your, your slot guy and then you have a player like Carlton Davis who gives you initially depth on the outside or kind of an option if, you know, Sherman doesn't fully recover or uh, tends to fall off. And then, uh, you know, ideally somebody that you groom behind those guys that can eventually s slot in uh, and take Sherman's place once they decide to move on. So I think upgrading that unit is, is definitely something that would help the 49ers uh, probably more significantly than just about anything else that they could do. When I initially look at these two picks, I, I don't I'm not immediately like excited about those two picks. I like Carlton Davis a lot as a prospect. We didn't do a lot of I, I did some more watching of Dante Jackson after George picked him because I wanted to become a bit more familiar. And I think the thing that made me feel OK with those two picks was the fact that they don't play 
the same. They're both cornerbacks, but they don't both play the same position. Yeah. When when you look at someone like Dante Jackson, he is the interior corner that we're talking about, whether it be slot or you know, kind of that that defender that has to worry about the middle of the field. And then you've got Carlton Davis, who's an outsider boundary corner. And so even though they're both corners, they both play very different positions. And I have to remind myself of that when I see CB next to their name, that they're not the same type of coverage player, even though they're both designated as cornerbacks. And I think people in general have a tendency when it comes to the draft to kind of want to spread the wealth, right? Let Diversify me, let your me, investments. Exactly. Let me get a player at kind of each position that I think we might be able to upgrade. And that's not always the best case. You know, we've talked in the past about potentially doubling up on strong classes. And uh, I think it was George that actually mentioned this uh, at some point, either on the podcast or in one of the articles. There's no cap to how many good players and coverage you can have on your roster, right? Uh, it's one of the, the best things that you can possibly load your roster up with. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past with pass rushers as well. You want a D-line that goes seven, eight deep so you can rotate guys in and get after the quarterback. I think the same thing goes. We're spending more and more time in defensive packages where you have five, six, sometimes seven defensive backs on the field at the same time. Uh, you, you shouldn't just decide that like, okay, we got two good ones. That's good enough where we can go ahead and look elsewhere now. All right. So while we're talking trades, let's talk not about trading picks, but about trading players. Two players that are rumored to be on the block, mostly because they are near the tail end of their contract and they seem to be redundant at the position, are Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward. Eric Armstead, of course, is entering in the last year of his deal, undecided as to whether or not the Niners are going to pick up his fifth-year option. And Jimmy Ward seems to have been supplanted by Adrian Colbert at the end of last year at free safety. So these are two players that they're both talented. They're both high draft picks. But now they're both maybe like an appendix on the Niners roster. Like, we're not entirely sure what you do here. And just hopefully you don't get infected and we don't have to remove you. So do you do you end up trading those players in a draft day trade to try and gain draft capital knowing what the state of the roster is right now? I mean, I I wouldn't uh, be opposed to it necessarily. Like, I don't think you sh- you're you're not shutting down trade offers for those two players. Right. I don't think. Uh, there is this like dire need to have to trade them, right? I think, again, you you want good coverage players, you want good defensive linemen who can get after the quarterback. And so even though the fits may not be, you know, as ideal as people want to make it out to be, like you can make it work, right? Jimmy Ward has value because he can play multiple positions in the secondary. He's likely, as things currently stand, the best slot defender that they have right now. Um, Eric Armstead, when he's on the field, has been a valuable pass rusher, right? Um, so these players can come in and they can help your team. They add depth. We know that you're going to suffer some injuries over the course of the season. Um, so there's nothing wrong with going into the 2018 season with those guys still there. But absolutely, uh, players, I would say both players are unlikely to be re-signed. So in that regard, uh, if you Getting can something get for something nothing. for them, yeah, as, as they're entering kind of the end of their contracts here, uh, and you can get something worthwhile for those players and add somebody to your roster that you think is going to be here for multiple seasons, then yeah, absolutely. That's something that you need to be considering. I'm not in a race to trade away either of these two players. Yeah. I think if there is, if there's a player that I'm more, that, that I'm more likely to trade away, it's probably Eric Armstead. And it's only if we then also draft someone like a Harold Landry or some other kind of defensive line prospect, the, I don't think the roster is in a place where you can trade away talented players right now. 
Exactly. Like the, the, we're not in, we don't have we don't have just a complete surplus of talented players. Where it's like ah, you know, like it was in 2012, where the players that you're going to cut on final cut day are probably going to get picked up by other teams because they're good enough to play somewhere else. The Niners are not there yet. Yeah. And and I think that Jimmy Ward specifically, because he can succeed in coverage and because he can play in the slot and he's so versatile, I, I do think that he has a bit more value right now than someone like an Eric Armstead, who has a pretty defined role and has, you know, I would say, you know, an injury history, but, you know, so does Jimmy Ward. Sure. But I don't, but they're both talented players. When you look at defensive line rotations, you know, there was a, an argument going on in my mentions earlier today about how you want your defensive lineman to be on the field for every snap. No, you don't. That's how no. they get. That's how they get worn down and burned out. We learned this lesson with Justin Smith when he was up in the nine hundred snap a year range with DeForest Buckner when he was over a thousand snaps, and we're like, yeah, he probably needs to tone that back because yeah. you want and even just taking it back just a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, obviously there's some kind of year two, per, uh, you know, development that you're expecting there to begin with, but just that little tone down on the snaps. Uh, and the ability to go out there and be able to play as close to 100% as possible, like that makes a big difference. I mean, you look at the teams that had a really, really good defensive line rotation this year, Philadelphia chief among them, they had five guys that all were in that. In in nearly every game, they had guys that you're just constantly rotating in there to keep them fresh. And if this team really is going to compete for a wild card spot and have the ability to make, uh, you know, some noise in the playoffs, they're going to need a deep rotation. And that means depth players and that means having players like Jimmy Ward or Eric Armstead. And that helps with the the health aspect of it as well, right? One, they're on the field for fewer snaps, which is, uh, you know, limits the risk to injury when you're out, not out there as much. Um, and then also you're better prepared if somebody does get injured, right? Right now, they're at a spot where if, if one of their top guys gets hurt, like that's it puts them in a really bad spot. There's not depth really anywhere on this team really you don't uh, want to stare down the barrel of the brock coil gun anymore no man i i ain't about th- i mean the brock coil gun linebacker is another story i don't really care about what's going on there that much um but like it d line and in, in, in the secondary right like you can't afford a, a significant injury or two there yeah. or you're screwed and so adding depth and and keeping the good players on the roster that you already have uh makes a lot of sense all right so what's your ideal plan through the first four rounds because we've talked a lot about what you do at nine and what you do if you trade down. And and that's round one. But if you're now talking about, you know, let's say you draft your best defender in round one, whether it is through trade down or otherwise. Now you've, you're looking at rounds two, three, and four. And you're looking at a roster that is not complete and still has room to grow. So given the strength of the draft, what the hell do you do with the other picks throughout the rest of the draft? The the picks that I'm, or the, the, the positions that I'm going to be looking at from rounds two through four are cornerback, wide receiver, interior offensive line. Um, I think those, if, and once you get to kind of round, round four or five, two, I think is, is where I'm seriously considering taking a running back in this draft as well, because I think this is a very good running back class. But those are the positions where I think there's a lot of value to be had on day two. I mean, right now they have uh, three picks between 59 and 74. Right. So end of the second round, top of the third round. And I think in, in those three positions, right, the, the exact order and all that doesn't really make that much difference. It, it's going to depend a lot on who's available. But you look at the wide receiver class and I think the cornerback class to a degree as well uh, that we talked about before, where you, you don't really have like clear options at the top. You know, a little bit more you do with corner than wide receiver. But really, the value at those positions in this class 
are those guys that are that are day two, day three type players, right? Because you have all of these different styles of players in, in both those position groups where it, it your picks or do you just kind of stay away and say this is not a solid class for this position? I'm just not gonna take my swing here. Rage quit no. Um I I I wouldn't necessarily be like pumped about that. Like I would understand it. And you know, we mentioned it when we were talking about offensive players that like tackle at the top, uh, wouldn't be unusual for a Shanahan team, right? This is something that he has kind of historically done. Go after a top tackle, uh, you know, early in the draft at some point, I just don't think this is the year you're still, you know, Joe Staley's still playing at a high level. You still have Trenton Brown under contract, uh, for one more season. So I, I think that you're okay there now, um, and, and I'm not, that's not a position where I'm looking for the one year ahead need. Yeah. All right. So let's get to our draft crush. Then who, who this year is that, that gives you a little glimmer in your eye. The, uh, the, the tickle down in your feels area that makes you think like, you know what? I want to draft this guy for logical or illogical reasons, whatever they may be. Give me your dude, man. I feel bad. Cause, uh, going, I feel like it's a cop out a little bit to go with somebody that's going to be like a first round prospect. Harold Landry is by far the most exciting player to me. Like he is the player I'd be most excited about if they drafted in round one. Um, I think without question. Um, I mean the late round guy we talked last week and I mean, this is your guy. I'm going to let you go with the name pronunciation though. I ain't trying to mess with that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Foyesade Aluakan because we called him Foye when we talked, when we talked about him last week, but apparently it's a shortening of his first name. His whole name is, uh, Foyesade. I'm going to go ahead and pronounce the A or the E at the end, just because I'm imagining it's not a standard American English name. More complicated. We're going to go with the shorter version of the (laughs) name when available. Fair. (laughs) Foye Aluakan. This is when I'm talking about doubling up on linebackers. This is someone who, who ticks off the boxes that you want, especially for a later round pick. He is an incredible athlete. He is someone that I think is a 230 pound linebacker, which is no longer light. That's the same weight that you're talking about Roquan Smith at. That's the same weight that you're talking about a lot of linebackers at in today's NFL. And so if you aren't going to draft someone like Roquan Smith up top, but you're enticed by that physical profile, then I think drafting someone like Oluwakan in the sixth or seventh round, or maybe even undrafted, who the hell knows, is is a place where you can upgrade that position for the future of the NFL and still get your edge rusher at at Harold Landry. I'm not saying that Roquan and Aluakon are comparable in terms of skill set. That's not what I'm saying. There's at all. a reason we're talking about one at maybe nine and one in like the sixth or seventh round at best. Correct. But Brita last year, it's it's one thing to see. Okay, I see. I'm seeing this tape from this small school guy, and it looks impressive, and I'm I'm liking what I see here. But I have these questions in my head right naturally about can you do this against NFL competition being a, a, an athlete that's better than 86 percent of the NFL at that position gives you some confidence that he can make that sort of transition. Yeah. And, and I specifically went after a guy that wasn't as that wasn't a top kind of pick person. Definitely. I'll, I'll be honest with you of, of the first round players that we looked at. I really enjoyed watching Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I really liked and, and I think it was because I watched this tape immediately after I watched Derwin James tape. And, and this is not to say that Derwin James is not going to be a good player or whatever, but I looked at the way that Derwin took on blocks and he like, you know, he was skirt around him and that was that. And he's a big dude. He could do it. He's fine. And then I saw Minka and Minka just paid with, he played with a certain degree of aggressiveness that I really enjoyed watching. Man, look at you talking about the run game and bullshit like that. Like that's important. Not, not even just, <laughs> not even just in the run game, uh, just, just no, the way just, that he would, uh, the, I'm just kidding. the way um, that he would attack players just in general. Uh, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fun, which is funny because remember when we first started doing the scouting Academy stuff, 
one of the one of the like universal position traits was play strength. And I remember specifically having a conversation with you going, what the fuck is this play strength bullshit? Like, oh, like, no, no, no. Competitive tap. Oh, competitive tap. That's the, what it was. Was the one. I think we talked about it on the podcast as well. We did. And I think. And I was like, I don't, I don't, this is dumb. Like, yeah. and, and, and the more and more I watched it, the more and more I understood what that meant. I, sure. I, I very much turned around and I was like, no, no, this is actually a thing that you can see and you can measure and you, it, and it, and it matters. And I do think that Minka has that competitive toughness that I really enjoyed watching. Um, I will throw one final name out there. And this is a more kind of just player that seems to really interest me. Every time I've seen like little, I, it's not somebody that I've had a chance to really study and is as in depth as I would like. Um, but somebody just kind of when I've seen clips here and there, uh, when I've been able to read like kind of the scouting reports from different places uh, that keeps popping up as a player that I'm interested in. Anthony Miller, the wide receiver out of Memphis, um, just really seems like a Shanahan receiver, somebody that would excel in this offense. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's not the biggest guy in this draft, um, but he's still a very good athlete. I think he was also like in that 85, 86 percentile spark range. Um, but is just a guy that is a good route runner. He's somebody that can separate, which again, I think that more so than, than finding, uh, you know, this big, tall receiver that, that can win contested catches. I think Shanahan just really prefers guys in this offense that can separate and create offense that way, right? That's how they want to be able to move the ball effectively. Uh, and he seems like a guy that, again, I think he's 5'11 or so, but he plays tough, right? He plays, he kind of reminds you a little bit of like Pierre Garçon and those type of receivers that aren't necessarily the biggest guys, but they play a little bit bigger. They're physical. Uh, they, they can win in like contested situations. They're not jumping over dudes necessarily, but if there's a guy on him, they can still make those kind of tough catches in traffic. Uh, so just somebody that I'm interested in, in again, in that middle round range, I think uh, two, three there that uh, would be somebody on the 49ers radar. Honorable mention DJ Moore. I really liked watching yeah, him as same, well. Yeah, same thing there. Um, yeah. a, lot, a lot of similarities between those two, I think. Yeah. All right. So those are going to be the, the draft crush scenarios uh, as a recap. Foyasada Luwakan, Foyasada Luwakan. Yeah, I screwed it up again. Uh, we've got Harold, oh, Landry. Harold Landry, DJ Moore, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, and Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller. I, I think that's to say there's a lot of players that we yeah. like in this draft. Yeah. Um, we like football. All right. So let's get to the last segment that we're going to do on this week's show. And that's going to be just a really quick in or out. It is exactly what it sounds like. I'm going to read a player or a thing, and David's going to tell me whether or not he's in or out, and I will shame him or agree with him based on whether or not he's right or wrong. So, David, first, are you in or out on drafting Shaquem Griffin? It's close, but I'm probably in. Yeah. I think I'm in. I'm, I'm definitely in as well, and I'm in for all the same reasons that I was talking about Aluacon. Same reasons. You're yeah. gonna, there, you're, there's versatility there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that when you're thinking of someone who can play off-ball linebacker and then rush the passer, that's that's the guy that that you want doing it. And and I'm okay spending a you know second or, or third round pick on someone like that in that area. That kind of blows up the uh, the kind of ideal plan for the four rounds that we had. I think because I think you're probably going to need to go after someone like Griffin in the the third round. I don't think he's going to go all the way to the fourth based on the hype machine that's been happening, but. Weirder things have happened in this draft. Yep. Uh, in or out, Arden Key. Out. Why? I'm just tired of dealing with the bullshit, man. Me too. Uh, I, th- I think that's really all it is. Uh, when you look purely on field, there's. I, I think I don't think there's any question to me that he would have been 
uh, probably the second guy, like maybe maybe behind Chubb, just because you feel a little bit safer with him. Um, but again, this dude, freshman sophomore year at LSU, just fucking tore up the SEC. Like went out there, was destroying these tackles. Again, was producing at a very very high level. Um, and then he's dealt with you know all the kind of extra bullshit. Um, I just don't know how they can make that sort of move no. considering the things that have happened. That's right. Franchise. I think it would be very, very tone deaf for them to draft yeah. Arden Key in this draft with everything that's going around Ruben Foster. We, we're making, and we're, our staff designer, Josie, is making our wallpapers for this year's uh, Better Rivals iPhone and desktop wallpapers specifically ask them to stay away from Ruben Foster because of all of the stuff that's going on with them. And it sucks, but that's the reality of the world that we live in. And and I think that's that's kind of where I'm at with Arden Key. I just I don't I don't want to deal with it. Yep. Um, yep. I mean, in, I think in a vacuum, he's the type of guy that you take a chance on. You know, day three if he's still there. Uh, I just I just don't think it's worth it for this team to go that direction. All right. Next player that we're going to talk about in or out, Traquan Smith, a wide receiver that we didn't cover when we were breaking down wide receivers, but one that fits that Shanahan profile of being a very very good athlete uh, with production that generates separation at the top of his routes. So are you in or out with someone like a Traquan Smith? Uh, in the right spot, I'm probably in. I think uh, he's a guy that does bring a deep element. Um, if I remember right, br- uh, caught like an incredibly high percentage of his deep targets last year at UCF. Um, I know that he, uh, that George is also a big fan of him um, and, and that he graded well for PFF kind of in the short and deep areas. So there's a little bit more than just being a guy that runs straight down the field and, and catches jump balls. Um, so I think, yeah, something day three range for him. I am in. Yeah, he had a four, four, nine, 40 yard dash. He was third uh, ranked in deep pass yards, deep pass number of receptions that are 20 plus yards and deep pass catch percentage. He was fifth. So definitely a deep target, but he's still graded very, very positively in the shorter areas of the field. And he caught 54.5% of his contested targets, which was tied for 13th in the nation uh, and also had four touchdowns. So 6-1-205, Traquan Smith, uh, UCF. I think he's a player that I, I, would, I would definitely be in for a wide receiver like that in, in that middle kind of pocket of rounds. So definitely a guy that I like. All right, similar to wide, uh, another wide receiver, deep threat, DJ Chark, oh. which... I want to call him Shark so bad. And it's I know. DJ Shark. Yep. It, it throws you off every time. Uh, for more reasons than that, I'm out, though. I'm, I'm out as well. And what's funny is that there are some names that I come across, especially living in Texas, where the, na- the accent is built into the name. Uh, my, my wife has a friend. Her name is Aline. It sounds like Eileen, but with the accent built in. Aline. And that's what I feel like DJ Shark is. It's like you're building in the Latino accent into a name. <laughs> what's his name? You know, DJ Jark. Like, that's, that's his name. That's, you know. Uh, all right. Another wide receiver. And only because his name harkens back to the lore of great 49ers wide receivers. Cedric Wilson. Are you in or out? Um, as much as it pains me because he went to Boise State and I really just kind of irrationally dislike them. Um, it's the blue field. You hate the blue the field. It's the blue field. It's, uh, you know, a, it's a number of things, really, that aren't worth getting into on this podcast. Uh I am in, though. I think, again, he fits for all this, the, the same sort of reasons that we like DJ Moore, that we like uh, Anthony Miller. I think he's a Shanahan type of receiver. So, uh, yeah, I would be on board with that. Yeah, I agree. And I also just I, I, I look forward to reusing my old 84 jersey. 
I mean, it's gonna, oh, it's gonna amb- come out. I hope that you, that's not a true thing. That, no, that it really isn't. Camera. I don't. But now I really wish I did. <laughs> I wish I would have kept it and not sold it to maybe Goodwill. Uh, all right, are you in or are you out? Adding another safety in this year's draft. And if that safety's name is Derwin James, out if it's anyone else. So does the does the specter of having too many safeties worry you? Because I think that's the concern for lots of Niner fans. If they were to draft someone like uh, Derwin James or Aminka Fitzpatrick, it's like, Jesus, another safety-type player. We've got Tart, we've got Ward, we've got Colbert. Uh, you know, we've got no shortage of safeties, and they, we're not going to run like a nine-safety defense. So what the hell do you do with them? Um, you take Derwin James, who's going to be a monster, and you put him on the field, and you let him do Derwin James things. Like it's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. You put him on the field, you let him do what he does best, which is going to be go out there and just take tight ends off the field, and uh, it can, can still match up with slot receivers. I think. I mean, there there are snaps in his uh, his tape at FSU where he's able to cover the the shifty slot receivers. Again, they play a lot of man coverage at Florida State. Um, so he was in those situations quite a bit, uh, excelled whenever given the opportunity. And I, I just think that you don't for a player like that, who's that talented, right? To, who legitimately he checks all of our boxes, all of the things that we've been talking about this whole offseason that, that we value in players that they that, and think that teams should be looking for. Um, he hits all of those marks. And I think you don't pass up a chance to take a special player because you have a couple of pretty good players on the roster right there, right? Um, I, I don't think they're at overload at that position quite yet, because, again, we talked about there's a couple players on their way out. Jaquaski Tart, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ward, final year of their deal. Like, there's no guarantee they're going to be on the roster next year. Um, so for a player that I think has special ability, uh, you, you just go ahead and you make that happen. You get them on the field. You know, I'm 100% okay with adding another safety as long as that safety can be used creatively, or as long as your defensive coordinator can use these safeties creatively. There's there's nothing that says that you can't have three safeties on the field at the same time, and the Niners did it at times last year as well. So I don't think that that's really a barrier or, or something that prevents you from drafting other safety, especially if they're talented. And once you start getting into like rounds four, five, and six, you're not drafting that safety to start. Yeah. You're drafting that safety for special teams and depth and development. And I should also clarify, though, uh, I don't include Minka as a safety. So that's why it's only James. Uh, Minka is a corner to me. He's a slot corner, but he's a corner. Um, so, yeah, I would take him, too, if, if you're thinking of him as a safety. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I put that in the whole camp of, like, pass defenders are good if they're good pass defenders. Yep. And so, and if you're a defensive coordinator and you can't figure out how to deploy your good pass defenders, then you should no longer be a defensive coordinator. Agree. Uh, all right. Last question. Are you in or are you out? Jimmy Garoppolo's beard. I was wondering what the hell this was about the whole time. I was like, I don't know what player this is. I mean, like, man, I have been busy with wedding stuff lately, but JGB, <laughs> like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's beard. Man, I'm always in on the beard. Have you seen this beard? I saw actually, yes, a, a one single photo that was on Niners Nation um, yeah. as, I, as we were checking to see if any news needed to be added. Um, yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. I don't care. I am so out on the beard. I am very much. And, and I'm, I, I'm a beard. I'm a card carrying member of the bearded club. <laughs> I have a beard. You have a beard. We are yeah. pro beard, generally Absolutely. speaking, on this podcast. But man, that beard. No, nah, man. You can't, Jimmy GQ, you got to have clean shaven face. And he looks so much better with the clean shaven face. Like he has such a defined jawline that you don't want to obscure that with a scruffy beard. The other thing, too, is that his beard was scraggly. Like he's got to brush that down and use some beard oil, man. I know. We need to send him some uh, some Texas Beard Company beard oil. That's exactly right. Um, 
Also, I mean, as someone who wasn't able to grow a beard for a long time because I had to shave, I'm not here to tell another man that if he wants to grow out his beard, he shouldn't grow out his beard. I get that, but man, I just I wish that he would clean it up a little bit. I, my little brother, whom I love to death, he he had that like awkward peach fuzzy kind of let it grow beard because he thought it was cool but didn't understand that a beard trimmer would like change his life so i got him a beard trimmer for christmas one year and he looks so much better when he trimmed it i think that's probably what jimmy gq needs he just needs a little trim he needs a little cleanup he's just Uh, an inexperienced beard grower i get it um you know he should sit behind tom brady learn how to manage his beard for a couple of years do we sit behind uh uh i mean Ryan I was going to say Aaron Rodgers, but then Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I was if gonna you're going to sit behind a beard, good quarterback that had a beard, but then how can you just like pass no. up Fitzpatrick's? Beard? No, each each one of his individual strands of hair has a degree from Harvard. <laughs> That's how smart that man is. Only true facts here. That's exactly right. So that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. Man, we're excited to have some merch. We're excited for the giveaway. So make sure that you stay tuned to our Twitter handles. For me, it's at Better Rivals. David, what's yours? I'll be at Newman NFL. That's right. And you can get all of the details for the giveaway so that you can win your $100 goodie bag. But even if you don't win that goodie bag and you just wanted to buy some shirts, phone cases, computer bags, notebooks, you can put our logo on anything that you want. They'll throw it on just about anything. Literally anything. There's even a baby onesie. I turned on the baby onesie option earlier today. I mean got to Uh, you have to really i don't make the rules exactly uh so definitely check out our store on t public we'll be posting the link everywhere Uh, and tune in on thursday night because we're going to have a rapid reaction it's not going to be as drunk as drunk podcasting uh, or as drunk prospecting i should say yeah. Um, we've already had one too many David I don't know. about to throw up moments. We this haven't year. even really talked about that. I don't know that. Are we going to do a live broadcast? I would. On, I would like to on the YouTube's. I would like to only because uh, it's it, it's a low it's a low rent thing. We're literally just going to be like stick our iPhone on something while we're watching the pick run through. Like I just think it's super easy. Sure. Um, and then we'll you know kind of come in and, and record it and, and call it a day. So um, it'll be. I think it'll be good and we can do it and it'll be super easy. Um, I'm about easy right now. Yep. Um, I, unfortunately for everybody else, uh, am not about getting super drunk right now. So, yeah, no drunk prospects. Considering that the last time that I got David super drunk, he thought he was going to die and had a six-day hangover. I, I mean, I was, uh, I, I had head pain. Turned out to be unrelated uh, to <laughs> the drinking, thankfully. Uh, but I had a headache for like two weeks after the bachelor party. Uh, yep. Two plus weeks. Yeah. That's true. That's fun. exactly right. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in, and as always, go Niners. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, 
bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Forecast. It's not Voltron.